Hey y'all, and welcome to this month's bonus episode of Who Made You Sis? Brought to you by the Diaz Collections, and this is your host, Doriana Diaz. Who Made You Sis? is an archival documentation of spiritual dialogue with fellow Black women creatives, storytellers, healers, and wellness practitioners. This podcast harnesses our existence in our truest forms. It is in commemoration of folklore, narrative, and language. When we surrender to our blueprint, our reimagined selves, we are closer to discovering our individual and collective God selves in the clouds, on grass, on water, on everything. These conversations live in assurance to pass themselves forward into our collective memory. This episode is in partnership with Earthy by Ari, a small business solely ran by a queer Black Afro-Latina named Ari. This Black-owned business offers a mixed collection of handcrafted and curated items, such as jewelry, apparel, and 420 friendly gems. Earthy by Ari strives to provide items that have a personal, unique flair, with the hope of helping others feel secure in their expression, identity, and individuality. Support our good sis by heading over to her website, earthybyre.com, and treat yourself to some beautifully handcrafted jewelry by using our 20% off discount code, Diaz. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay updated on everything Who Made You Sis. This episode is entitled Thick Love and will be in spiritual dialogue with Priscilla Adjaman and Sabrina Abdallah. Our first guest, Priscilla Adjaman, is a mental health activist, public health professional, digital content creator, and founder of Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies focuses on fostering meaningful dialogue surrounding mental health and emotional wellness for Black, Indigenous, and other marginalized people of color. Priscilla's work is centered around highlighting the Black narrative and removing the stigma around mental health awareness in order to initiate collective healing in our community. Our second guest is Sabrina Abdallah. She is a New York City-based educator, multidisciplinary artist, and creative entrepreneur. She is the founder of The City, which is a platform that magnifies the narrative of Black women creators by providing the secrets to a fulfilling and intentional creative process through digital and in-person events, brand partnerships, and mentorship. This episode is particularly special because these women have helped me to cultivate my own village. Let's hop into some sisterhood. She's ready. So we can hop into these questions and I'll start with, I think I'll start with number one, Mm -hmm. but I genuinely just wanted to know, Mm -hmm. um, actually, let me start with intros. What am I talking about? (laughs) Let me have you both. um, We can start with, I'll start with Priscilla and you can just say your name, your place of origin, and just a little bit about your creative work and what you do. And then we'll go. Okay. Well, first of all, Doriana, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of this space that you've created, um, another sacred and beautiful space. I admire and support and uplift everything you do, and thank you for being a vessel. Um, So, yeah, just thank you for for creating this moment. Um, My name is Priscilla Adjaman. 
I am a public health professional, a mental health activist, and I am the founder and creator of Sadie Baddies, which is a virtual safe space for Black people, for Indigenous people, and for marginalized people of color. And the whole point of Sadie Baddies is to destigmatize mental health in a way that is palatable, that is approachable, accessible, and beautiful. Um, because we're humans with eyes that like to look at beautiful things. And sometimes you have to use, you have to sugarcoat things in order to get the real point across. So um, I do that by curating visuals. I do that by um, speaking, public speaking events. Right now, those are virtual events due to COVID. Um, I do that by collaborating with like-minded individuals and organizations and brands um, that have the same intention of, you know, educating, um, promoting wellness, promoting balance for people of color, for Black people, Black bodies. Um, and Sadie Baddies is about to turn two next month, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy to think yes. about because it's, it's, it's something that this is the most spirit-led thing I've ever done in my life. This is the most non-brainer. Yeah. Like, I don't even have to think about it. Intuitive work I've ever done in my entire life. And I'm really grateful to be the mm -hmm. human being that is doing this work. Because I know if it wasn't me, it would be someone else that was also spirit-led. For yeah. sure. For sure. Thank you. Oh. Wow. That was so beautiful. <laughs> that is a person who is walking in their calling. Do y'all mm -hmm. feel me? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank wow. You, yeah. No, I am so honored to just even be in this space with both of you. From day one, I've always admired everything that you guys have been able to cultivate and create because it was from an authentic source. And I always say whenever something's from an authentic source, it's never ending. And I think that's just so beautiful to be led spiritually from a place that can never end. Like, both of you, your work is very, will live on forever. You know, it's, it will always be continuous and it will, it will reach so many people beyond borders. And I think that's just so wonderful, but yes, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Um, my name is Sabrina Abdallah. I am an educator a multidisciplinary artist and currently embarking on a very new role as a creative entrepreneur. Uh, I'm the founder of City, which is currently on a hiatus right now because she is rebranding and um, expanding. Okay. Yes. Um, and well, basically City is a platform that magnifies the stories and narratives of Black women creators. Uh, initially by providing, I guess, the secrets to a fulfilling creative journey, one that encompasses your experiences, uh, your past, your future, your connection to the people who are alive or dead, um, but really just serving as a space that or a destination that embraces, encourages, and celebrates the lives and experiences of uh, the African diaspora uh, right now she's rebranding and I just can't wait for the launch. Um, I don't even know when we're going to launch. I, again, I'm being very spiritually led by this um, and I'm excited for the journey. I'm excited for what we'll create. 
We're excited oh. too. Thank you. We ready. I cannot wait. Thank you. We ready. <laughs> so ready. Thank you guys so much for those beautiful, beautiful intros. Um, I want to hop into this conversation. I'm so excited and I can't even wait another minute. But um, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about first, because I think it's a great kind of, um, I guess, overarching kind of umbrella about uh, the conversation that we're going to hop into. And then we can get more and more specific as we go. But um, one thing I really did want to ask was, how did how do you define community? And what does that smell like, feel like? and look like to you and who do you call upon mm-hmm. wow that's so beautiful i can go priscilla yes, we can go together can. let's go together that's what community <laughs> feels like yes that's literally um, oh wow go ahead for me yeah for me community means aligning our personal goals with the goals of the community and what can like ultimately advance us all? Uh, it is set on found. It is set on the free. It is the foundation of community is freedom, right? To push for exploration, uh, to push for imagination, and to create an ecosystem where I think we can all thrive, rooted in our individuality. I think it's so beautiful yeah. for us to continue the practice of our ancestors by pushing for collectivism. You know, we as humans, like we're not islands. We are not meant to handle things individually. We are not meant to endure hardships alone. So I think community is not only recognizing that, but also knowing your place and your position in other people's lives and um, knowing when to step up into your role. Uh, I personally call upon (laughs) y'all. I call upon my (laughs) sisters, um, the people who have shown me, who have shown up for me and has and have shown me their true colors, Uh, especially I think like there's a reciprocity, you know, I think Mm -hmm. you pour into people Mm -hmm. as much as they pour into you and that balance, that's community. Um, You know, what we're able to cultivate just among amongst each other is a love story, you know, of companionship, of truly like genuinely rooting for each other mm-hmm. so that we can maximize on the opportunities that life is offering us. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. It's like soaking that, in, mm. that all in. That was really powerful. Thank you. Um, I think for me, community is, there's levels to it, you know? I think you yeah. have your, your people that you, don't have to perform for and Mm -hmm. those are the people that you know often are the people you talk to every day or or just sometimes like you don't even talk to them every day because there's always this mutual understanding um, of where you are with each other and I think sometimes we define community as being with like-minded people but I would actually argue that it's more about being with like-spirited people like people that share a similar essence it's like je ne sais quoi like you know like it's just it's, it's, it has like a like a there's like a, a familiarity that is yes. not based on like necessarily like where you guys went to school together or like how many um how many years you've known each other you know what I mean because I can go into the beauty supply store and I feel community there next like if I'm standing there looking at like 
I'm about to get braiding hair to get my braids. And there's a girl next to me. She has a bonnet on. I have a bonnet on. <laughs> and we smile at each other. Yeah. Like that's community. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think community is, is so important to all of the work that we do. If you are not doing it to be, as Doriana has said before in one of our many beautiful conversations, Doriana, you've said before that one of the main questions that you always ask is how can you be of service? And, you know, ever since we talked about that, like I've always kind of like circled back, like, yeah, like how can you be of service? You know? Um, So community to me is, it's like, it's in the, it's in the big and the small it's in the way that you can identify with someone who may actually have different opinions than you or different outlook, but there is like a commonality that is like, threading you together and I think also you know I think community has to be um something that goes beyond um what is trendy you know like you think about the Black Panthers or any of our other ancestors that were really you know figureheads in the in the social justice and civil rights movement like they had to be within a community in order for that to work um, yeah. They didn't work mm-hmm. in silos. Like they work together. Um, and even if you're doing different things, not everybody can be the leader or the director, etc. Um, but if and when everybody has a role and they are connected to that role, I think that's where community really is able to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love what you said about you know, people that you don't have yeah. to perform for. Um, because I think that that's something that I've struggled with a lot, especially like in my younger days, whatever, <laughs> still very young, but you know what I mean. Um, but like growing up, I definitely felt like, and even like well into kind of like my adulthood life, I, I would have moments where I would be in community or with people that I, um, was in relationships with whatever. And I would have this moment where I would sit back and I would be like, wow, like I can really let myself go with this person. And I'm not actually attached to any sort of ideology about who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to say, how I'm supposed to act and what, in any kind of capacity. And that's happened very few times. And I've just noticed about all those other times there was something, whatever it may be, I, it's different in every relationship, but there was something holding me back from getting to that place of like mm. complete alchemy mm. with someone. And I think that that is, I'm, I know that feeling because I have a, a moment where I'm like, oh my God, like this is me and I'm doing it with someone else, like completely without mm. any restraints. And I think that that's so, so yeah. rare. And I, I mean, it is rare for me and I've had to do a lot of work to get myself to the place where I, you know, it it requires trust. It requires vulnerability Mm -hmm. and intimacy. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with spirit. And it's this thing that's like, it has a halo Mm -hmm. around it almost because it's Mm -hmm. almost untouchable or it has been for me. And I think that to get to that place has been um, to let your guard down, to to even trust yourself enough, your own self enough to be able to completely let yourself go is a, is like the epitome of mm-hmm. love in in um in a in a way that I growing up I had I never thought I would be able mm-hmm. to get to that place. And I've had that with 
people I don't even know. Like I had that with one person when I went to Brazil and I went to Brazil alone to study and I met a person there, um, a dear friend of mine, she was from South Africa and we had the same birthday. And the day I met her, I was like, oh my God, you're like my soul sister. Oh, wow. And there was no restraint. There was not even any sort of like building myself up to even know that there, I even had restraint. You know what I mean? If I, I can't even explain it that way. It was just, it was like that. Um, everything was just um, fair game, you know? And I think that that is, I love that you say about per- what you said about performance, because I think we, a lot of times we get so caught up in it of like, I'm supposed to be friends with you mm. because we're both students. But I, as a student, I'm still performing yeah. in a role. You know, like that's not a self-defining yeah. label, or that's not actually who mm. I am at all. Or I'm supposed to like you because we're both artists or we're supposed to be compatible because we both have summer birthdays. There's some shit that like commonality. And so I think that the fearlessness about love really comes in when those things um, Mm -hmm. fall by the wayside. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. You said that, Priscilla. And I appreciate both of you for bringing up up that like connection that um, it sounds like when Priscilla said, there's levels to community. And then Doriana, you shared on that like connection to one yeah. person form of community and just that vessel that you create with another person exchanging things of such value, even though you've just met them, mm-hmm. you know, it's as if you've right. been connected for centuries and there, there, yeah. when that is being created, there is no room for performance. Ooh. It almost feels mm-hmm. like they can see through you and you can see through them. Hell yeah. Uh, that yeah. is, I, you yeah. know, <laughs> I felt that. I feel like maybe towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, and that, like you said, you shared the same birthday. There there are things like yeah. messages, cues, whatever, that mm-hmm. connect you to this person that are beyond like wor- the words can articulate yeah. or describe. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're very spiritual. Yeah. They're very... um just I don't know mystical almost you know just like a very magical yes, connection yes. and I don't know about you but that gives me goosebumps I literally that, have chills okay yeah that makes <laughs> you feel like there's a glitch in the system and yeah. like we've been here before yeah. or we are repeating something yeah. and it's almost validating to yeah. our journey you know it's almost validating to our path like okay I'm meant to be here I'm meant to yeah. meet you I meant to exchange this with you. Mm-hmm. Now we create together from this, from this point. Yeah. And and you mentioned yes. Duriana, like I don't have to perform, you know, just because two mm-hmm. things connect us, maybe our status, maybe our role, that does not necessarily mean that I identify with you. Yeah. Right. And that's yes. not community. When you're not rooted in your authenticity and who yeah. you are as a person, or when you cannot show up as your whole self, that space was not meant for you to thrive. Yeah what I mean absolutely I mean I just think about how I met both of you like I I mean literally Sabrina and I (laughs) gravitated towards each other we were at this event and I was just like I literally I don't know how but I just found myself like standing next to her like we were just like sis like what's your name right and honestly like it's just that instantaneous like I love you and it's not like I don't think it's like infatuation or like being like 
um, naive. I really, I really truly believe that is sisterhood. Like that is just like that, that instantaneous, like, wow, like I see, I see myself in you, you know? And it's, again, I really feel like it is, it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual experience because like, same with you, Doriana, like when I first like talked to you and like met with you, I was just like, wow, I love her. You know, like I love, (laughs) I love her as a human being. And I, I really appreciate your existence and I still very much do, you know, like I just, I feel like sometimes there are really no words to explain that divine like connection and like divine sisterhood but I'm really really grateful that I'm able to experience this at this point in my life such a gift yes yes especially it is such a gift and I think especially like exactly what you said with at this point in our lives because I think that a lot of it is Mm -hmm. out of our control Mm -hmm. anyway you know what I mean like the most precious um loves or the most amazing opportunities Mm -hmm. to grow in love or to be in a love affair or in union or in ceremony all of it's sacred um happen when we least expect it and I know that that's a very kind of cliche thing to say but I think it's so true I think that like um I always think about Sonia Sanchez wrote this incredible kind of short story um prose about like don't go looking for love because it it will come to you when you mm-hmm. at least expect it and it will knock you <laughs> off your fucking feet. And I think that yeah. that's so true is that the more that I look for it, the more that I seek it, the more that I force yeah. it in any kind of relationship, because I have definitely done that. Or the more that I stay in relationships mm-hmm. that do not serve me or where I'm carrying someone mm-hmm. else's shit, you know, whatever it is, Um, I think it can go both ways, you know, when we're kind of in this space of emptiness or in this space of loneliness and we're seeking it out or forcing it to be. And then or where we're in this space where we are um, underserved or unhappy Mm -hmm. in something. I think in both of those spaces, we we have to just release, you know, and we have to kind of surrender to the powers that be, because I think that when um, when we just are when we're just simply being and existing and um showing up for ourselves in the way that we need to love will come mm. <laughs> inevitably so beautiful i instantly thought of what i tell other teachers uh students know whether you're being genuine or not like students can tell they're not here for the funk you know what i mean like and i just think right. because children or just students are just angels they're they're very innocent and so they can feel the funk before it arrives like they're not here with the bullshit yeah I I think the universe (laughs) responds in the same way I don't think the universe is here for the funk you can't expect uh to receive things Mm -hmm. uh, when you are not putting in the work I also think that you are not meant to grow when you're not in an environment to do so you know what I mean absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah yep Yep. And I think you're so right. All of that is like, is dictated yep. by spirit. The more that I grow, the more that I, I realize that is that it's yeah. totally out of my control. And, and, sh- and the powers that be have a magical plan for all of us. And it is yep. not in our control. We just got to be ready for when those doors open. Yeah, you yeah. just gotta be ready. <laughs> you just gotta be ready for it. That's ready. Yeah, you're so right. Gotta stay ready. 
So I want to know too, I, I have seen, um, I forget who I saw it from or where I read it or where I was in the moment, but I saw somewhere that black women supporting black women Aww. is a love language. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really beautiful. And so I wanted to kind of um, piggyback off of that with the question of how has sisterhood presented itself as a love language for you? Or is it? How has it not? (laughs) That's the real question. I am honestly so fascinated by Black women. Like just, like sometimes I get emotional. I actually often get emotional when I think about just like, the totality and the capacity that we are and what we embody and what we accomplish. And I don't know if y'all have seen that meme of like that guy who's like black woman and he just pauses <laughs> and he's like, mm. y'all just, <laughs> y'all just like, and I, I, like, I, feel, I feel all of that because we really are everything and then some. And I feel like when it comes to black women supporting each other, it's it's non-negotiable and I mean I mean that on like a business level I mean a creative level personal it's non-negotiable because if you don't see another black woman's success as something that excites you that ignites you that motivates you like you might need to do some inner work and I mean that because like yeah I have been in friendships where I was a supporter but I was not being supported um and I know that feeling and I it feels very it feels it's just not it's not a good feeling it's not it's not a satisfying feeling it feels um it can leave you with a lot of resentment um and a lot of confusion as to like hey like I'm supporting you aren't you supporting me and when I mean support I mean like you have to have genuine interest in what they're doing <laughs> it's not about just posting their stuff yep. on social media or reposting it or liking or commenting. Like, just know that like whatever content that and like either of you have ever produced, like I have s- sat down and watched it in its entirety. Like, yeah, and I will soak it in. Like I actually sometimes like to take my time after, you know, there's like an Instagram live or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll actually like, maybe like watch it a few days later. So I actually have time to like soak it in um, and, and actually like kind of like take yeah. notes. And I think that is to me, that's mm-hmm. important because if this just goes over my head or if I'm just like, yeah, girl, like, you know, this is great. And you know, sometimes that's, that's fine too. Like, I'm not saying like, like compliments or like shout outs are not like helpful. They are obviously like the way that social media is like designed, but I mean, real genuine interest, mm-hmm. like, really asking like how are you like how are you feeling like what are you what are you dealing with lately what projects are you working on what's exciting you these days like those that that those that type of dialogue to me is more meaningful than just reposting or resharing something because it's like but do you even care you know and that support like that that support has to be deeper than a like it has to be deeper than a comment um Mm -hmm. this is my life's work do you care? You know, like, do you actually care? Yeah. Um, so to yeah. me, like su- supporting black women is that is like, what the hell are you going to do without black women? Like, black women will sell out a product like nothing. Black women will get literally like 
campaigning, like, you know, like we, right. we move mountains when we come together. So I'm just, it just confuses me when people don't want to, when black women like don't want to support each other. It's like, why would you not want to accelerate and like uplift? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You also move, like pass up the opportunity yeah. to other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hosting that live, sitting down and watching it, and it's in yeah. You like just through the conversation, mm-hmm. just through diffusion, you learn something. You take something away from you from someone yeah. else. That's sacred work. That's beautiful. Um, that should be cherished. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't pass up that. You can't pass up that opportunity. But also, like I just I feel like not being grounded in community sometimes that shit happens people pass like all these people on instagram all these people on social media repost the shit like i don't know how many are actually digesting or taking right. the time to support or taking the time to actually engage with other people's life life's work you know yeah. what i mean i think just to come back to the question doriana like sisterhood uh Black woman, <laughs> Priscilla couldn't have said it any better. It literally makes me emotional too. Yeah. Like our yeah. the, our resilience is often confused for strength, and I think mm-hmm. that that is so disturbing. You know, like resilience mm-hmm. resilience does not mean mm-hmm. that you don't compress, right? Mm-hmm. That means compress without breaking, yeah. right? That you can come back 10 times fold. That does not mean that you don't cripple sometimes. That does not mm. mean that you don't get exhausted sometimes. That does not mean that sometimes you just want to be wrapped up in a blanket and hugged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That does not mean that you are yeah. weak and broken mm-hmm. and not strong. And this idea that strong is just unbreakable, you know, strong is unshattered. Yeah. Like you can shatter it. And I just think that is so that is that is that expectation is so unrealistic to live by and to try to maintain and that yeah. sometimes internalizing that belief can make you not be intentional with your sisterhood you know cuz you are trying to uphold this expectation that you're supposed to uh you know be this person to keep up this facade and miss out and pass up again that opportunity to learn from each other Mm-hmm. And I think that can be really damaging to internalize yeah. that. I also think with that internalization, there's competition. This mm-hmm. desire to be the best in your field, this desire that you need this this like goal. Like if you ain't it, then what the fuck, sis? Like you did it wrong, you know. And that idea, when you internalize that, yeah. is so rooted in capitalism. It's so rooted in colonialism. You know what I mean? That is not how. That is not where we originate from. It's just yeah. not. Our people have never done that before, you know? Uh, everything was so decentralized. Everything was shared collectively. Uh, and we cannot be, we cannot call ourselves like that we made it. We can't say, we can't place that title upon ourselves when there are literally so many people in our communities who have not reached that threshold. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not um and so those little small acts of kindness goes a long way those small intentional things go like that's a really kind gesture that can change your mentality that can change what you're internalizing black women have literally created this world 
what would this world be without black women? Is absolutely nothing ever fucking answer. You know what I mean? And just even within amongst ourselves, like this sisterhood that we've been able to cultivate for me has filled the gaps in my journey. Like it has filled Mm -hmm. the gaps where whenever I Mm -hmm. felt like, okay, I'm in a very uncertain space, I'm calling Mariama. Like, and I know instantly that I am fulfilled again. What would I be? What would I do? What would my love language be like if I did not have that? You know what I mean? Ridiculous. Yeah. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. And I think you're like what you're both speaking to, I think I agree totally is that I've noticed more and more recently is like what it is to fully indulge in black women, what it means to fully indulge. And when I mean fully indulge, I mean like in every capacity, right? So when I watch the Toni Morrison documentary, I'm there, I'm fully present. I'm unapologetically present in that moment because I'm being, I'm holding space and I'm sharing space with her, whether she is, um, Earthside or transitioned as an ancestor, I'm here sharing space, holding space. So I will be present. I will show up. I will be forthright in my commitment to her. And I will be there and I will be taking notes and I will be looking at the screen and I will mm-hmm. feel her energy. And that to me is sisterhood, whether I knew mm-hmm. her personally or not. Mm-hmm. She is still a sister. So to be in that space, that's what it is for me to fully indulge. And that's what I've been thinking a lot about recently of like, I want that to be my life's practice. I want that to be my, 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 a lifestyle, a way that I have chosen to live my life. I want to be intentional about the ways in which I indulge Mm -hmm. with black women in my life. When I'm walking down the road and there is a homeless black woman on the street and she asks me for money, I look her in the eye. I look her in the eye. I hold space for her. I share energy with her, whether or I am capable or not to give her anything, right? And so I think that that is what it is. That's what you both are speaking to of what it is to really indulge. It's not a performance. We're not performing when we indulge. It shouldn't be that way. It needs to be rooted in intention, like Sabrina said, like in purpose. And, And I think that that is whether or not we share or like or do anything on and for me personally on the social media platform is like this is this is what happens when you're when people what are you doing when people are not watching what are you doing when people are not looking at you you know like are you living your life with intention because I think that that's really hard I think it's really really hard to do I think it's easy to live a life with intention on social media you know because I think intention gets very skewed and and all that kind of stuff and what's trendy and yeah. all that stuff, whatever. But I think that when people aren't watching, when you are watching yourself, when you are bearing witness, mm-hmm. how do you hold to yourself? How do you hold yourself yeah. accountable? How do you hold yourself accountable? Because I think when you pour into your you sisterhood, are. you're pouring into yeah. yourself. You are mm-hmm. fully pouring into yourself. So there is this thing, it's it's to be our own soul's reflection. Like yeah. I am because you are. When we harm each other, we harm ourselves. So I think that that's the thing that I think comes with the unlearning, yeah. the unraveling, the decolonizing, right? Because we are not taught yeah. to support one another in this Western Eurocentric, Eurocentric way of life. They do not want Black women yeah. rooting yeah. for Black women. No. So I think that's that to me is revolutionary. Mm. It's radical. 
it, it might not, should not be considered that way. We should do that inevitably. And I think that it is in our DNA. I think that is the source, but it yeah. is not what they want us mm-hmm. to do. And so it's this thing where I'm like, what are we really doing mm-hmm. when people aren't watching? How are we showing up? And that's the beautiful thing to me is like to have a space cultivated with all of us and Mariama and, and Sabrina and Priscilla. I mean, I'm talking, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm making like, but, um, but to have all of that, yeah. well, like that is, that's for us. That mm-hmm. is solely for us. That's not for other eyes. That's not for mm-hmm. the social media platforms and all that's, that's it's just beautiful. for us. That's so sacred. And that's how we hold each other accountable. And I think that that's so precious to me. I love that. I, you know, want to just add that I read somewhere, maybe someone tweeted about it, or maybe actually I think I saw a video of it. Solange, when she performs, Mm -hmm. when she sings the song Fubu, she specifically points to the Black woman in the crowd and she sings to them Mm -hmm. for us, by us. Like that is. That is so fucking beautiful to me because that is essentially the embodiment of of what sisterhood is. Like I'm I'm talking to you. Like I'm talking to you, my fellow black woman, my fellow sister. Like I'm speaking directly to you. This is for us. This is sacred. In a in especially in a world that constantly, constantly tries to replicate black woman, black culture, um, everything about us, every single thing about us. Like, you know, it's it's actually really important for us to have those spaces that are extremely sacred and exclusive. And that's, that's okay. That doesn't mean we're excluding or disrespecting other people or other groups of people. To me, it just, something has to be sacred. (laughs) <laughs> you know like especially, yeah yeah mm-hmm. it has especially because you've just been taken yeah. exactly. you know what I mean exactly. especially because mm-hmm. all you have done is just take and so right. to expect to also be a part of sacred spaces is with is to come with the intention to take some more what yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean like uh both right. of you had mentioned something so beautiful about like sisterhood being a reflection and and I think that is just so well, oh my gosh, yes, it is a reflection of you, of who you are. We all mirror each other in a certain way uh, that highlights our strengths and our weaknesses. That's in our DNA to bring us back together, to come together. And through that vessel, yeah. I think with vulnerability and just honesty, like we're able to shift out the bullshit and reveal and just be and revel mm-hmm. in our beings. Uh, I think that's such a beautiful love language a beautiful love language one that like gives you back yourself yeah yeah so much so so how have you in your own lives or in collective collectively in your community how have you chosen to abide by a healthy love ethic um and how has that progressed or how where was that developed or just yeah just generally how do you feel about that that reminds me of bell hooks all about love <laughs> yeah yeah that is oh listen i said let me go back to the okay to the, to the bible about love because she really that book really helped me kind of cultivate these questions and that's what she talks about is is what it is to right. create a healthy love ethic and i love the way that she talks about that 
Um, so I definitely yeah. want to touch on I think this conversation. Let's welcome Bell Hooks. Yeah. Okay. Into the space. Right. Welcome her to the table. <laughs> I, I think I, I think if I remember correctly, early in her book, she talks about redefining love and love not being what we were taught it to be. And I think when I first read that book, yeah. I was trying to unlearn, to relearn that to have a love ethic is uh, to choose to be grounded in something, to be grounded in love in every aspect of your life, for it to be purposeful, for you to be uh, happy, for you to be free. And when you align yourself with that ideology, a lot of things become easier to process. And all of a sudden, so many avenues open for you to indulge in different capacities uh, to, to explore yourself. And I think I have done that just like trying to maintain a love ethic. I I have done that, I think, by being hyper vigilant with my feelings and emotions. When I'm around certain people, asking myself, how I how do I feel? What kind of messages am I giving? What am I what am I pouring into this space? What am I receiving in return? And and really paying attention to my emotions and to my reactions. I think our bodies sometimes react in ways our minds can't catch up to yet. And um, like being selective in that sense and learning to reclaim the power that I personally give to others who I think care about my emotional well-being. Um, just the idea of having a love ethic comes with knowing what not a love ethic is or not abiding what a love ethic is and for me Mm -hmm. that was when someone can piss me off someone can literally shatter my entire freaking day simply by an act or lack thereof like my day is ruined my day is done I'm so blown I'm so sad because so-and-so didn't do something or so-and-so didn't say something to me or I didn't do this whatever the case may be just personalizing so much other people's reactions and that being how I identify whether I'm lovable or not. Mm-hmm. What, what, when I was able to identify that, okay, I was like, yeah, this is definitely not love or a love that I deserve. This is not a love mm-hmm. ethic I should abide by and live by because people are not perfect. Someone's going to fuck up and someone's going to make me mad. Somebody's going to hurt me. And how can that be an indicator of whether I'm lovable or not? Mm-hmm. That's just not fair, right? It's an unexpected real, like it's, I mean, not an unexpected, just a high expectation Yeah. yeah. to place on yourself. That is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I really resonate with that, Sabrina. I also, especially last year, I would say, like just the amount of time I had to be introspective and really, um, I mean, my self-care, it's actually not even self-care. It's self-preservation, yeah. honestly. <laughs> um, my self-preservation practices and rituals were really, 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 really solidified last year because not only as a means of survival, you know, because of the pandemic, it was just like too much was going on for me to like feel not grounded within myself and in my body. Um, and I realized I had to a not rely on external factors to determine my groundedness. And um, as someone who has, you know, had 
um, a lot of experiences with anxiety and, you know, kind of like the baseline of anxiety is not feeling grounded and not feeling rooted. And I realized like a lot of times I was putting external factors such as like uh, my neighborhood or um, the people I interact with on a daily basis or social media or the the news, et cetera, like all these things I can't control, like that cannot be my deciding factor for how grounded I feel mm-hmm. and how loved I feel um, within my own body. So for me, I had to really do a lot of work. Shout out to therapy mm-hmm. um, for helping me <laughs> do that work. It took a while, but, you know, I feel like I got a good grasp on it now. And, like, additionally, I would say, similar to what you were saying, Sabrina, like, I I tweeted this before, but, like, um, it's not your job to micromanage other people's emotions. Like, I had definitely had to, like, take a step back from um, trying to, like, evaluate or decipher or analyze um, people's like reactions to me or like what they said or how they said it or their tone. And I'm, you know, like a very observant person. And I would, I would say that I'm a very emotionally intelligent person, but sometimes when you're a little bit too emotionally intelligent, you start projecting (laughs) yourself. Well, I did that two years ago. And then through therapy, I found out that that's actually an attachment style that you have. Like, whoa. Really back. So like, to me, I had to really like learn how to um, learn how to kind of just like pull back a little bit. Like, you know what? That's not my problem. And it's, it's a, it's a healthy level of detachment where it's like, it's not that you don't care. It's not that you aren't compassionate or you're not kind or any of those really important human emotions, but it's just, you're realizing you're separating what is your shit from their Mm -hmm. shit. You have to do that. Otherwise everything is going to feel like a blow to the head or to the heart it's going to feel like super heavy and you cannot walk in this world that way so for me my love ethic is what is my what is my energy what is my what is my reasoning what are my actions versus what I can't control yeah because anything outside of me is something I can't control and that that includes your family that includes your partner that includes your friends your co-workers Whatever the case is, you cannot control <laughs> their behavior or yeah. their emotions at all. So yeah. for me, it's really like coming back home to myself um, in a lot of ways and and making that the basis for how I make healthy, informed decisions and healthy, informed reactions to things. And I think a lot of times like we we feel like we have to react to everything because that's literally the way our like our social interactions are designed now. Like there's a like button, there's a share button, there's a comment button, there's a bookmark, there's a button for everything because there's like this, like, there's this expectation that you have to react to everything and you really do not. (laughs) Not everything deserves a dissertation. Yep. Like save your energy. Your energy (laughs) is so important. Like, where is your energy battery today is it on 90 percent or is it on five percent because you spent two hours on twitter arguing about bullshit with someone that doesn't even know your name like right yeah think about it (laughs) conserve that energy yeah exactly exactly like that nervous system because Mm -hmm. precious and she's fragile and she needs to chill yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can they without even building awareness first, you know? So many people are like you said, when you're when you have this emotional intelligence. Yeah. (laughs) Not everyone does. Not everyone emotional intelligence. Hyper. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, not everyone does. And you can see their energy being expelled in so many different places. And it's like why if you only knew the power of putting that energy back into yourself the person that you're supposed to be the person that you can possibly be your best self yeah. does yeah. not come yeah. from social media or this no. facade at all. you know that you that you see it's not real absolutely wow. and i just yeah. one more thing i wanted to add is that um you know, for me, that all those revelations and epiphanies came through practice. Um, I decided sometime, maybe a little bit around spring last year, um, kind of in the thick of the pandemic, when we were all working from home and whatnot, that um, I really had to change my structure of my mornings and whatnot. So before I would just like, get up, get ready, shower, you know, get ready for work. And like, now that it's just like, I cannot do that. I have to wake up at least a good amount of time. I would say like half an hour, an hour before I start my day and like meditate and be in silence. Like I do not touch my phone for like the first like hour, hour and a half um, of my day. And I kind of just like ease into myself and literally like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. until I meet myself where I'm at that morning. Um, mm-hmm. And those practices have really helped to ground and sustain me during this time. Wow. That is so facts. Like just for me, how has this developed for me personally? I think there, like Priscilla, there is so, routine is medicine. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing over and over again in yeah. a way that is meant to structure your life gives you balance, mm. makes you hyper aware. And when you start your day in that way, it's so calming. Yeah. You have such a better outlook on the rest mm-hmm. of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year. Yeah. You know, having that pattern, having that habit, you know when you're not in flow. Absolutely. I used to create, uh, like for my planner, I used to, like on the monthly view, mm-hmm. I would write small like tasks to do, really, really small tasks, like drink green tea today, or I don't know, listen to this song in the shower today, just some random ass shit. And every day after I did it, I would like cross it off or check mark it or something. And then if I didn't do it, I would circle it. And so when I looked back and reflected and I saw the days where I just had a bunch of circles <laughs> within that whole week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I didn't do any of those small acts. My days were so thrown off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was different. not in flow. Mm-hmm. I felt so different. Yeah. I, something was off. And just having that mindfulness, that awareness that doing something so small can recalibrate you. Yeah. Doing something really small like that can recenter your focus, can recenter you, bring you back to yourself and showcase or just reveal like something needs to happen. I need to have a conversation with myself. I need to meditate. Yeah. I need to pray. About it. I need to set an intention, whatever the case may be, but identifying those things that push you away from your core and coming back to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. love. That's 
to me, the discipline, the routine, the dedication, the ritual are all forms of love that I didn't even know I needed until, yeah, until recently. Coolie. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I I totally, totally, totally identify and resonate so much so with everything that you guys said. I think the beautiful thing about a love ethic is, and what you both said is, I feel like it is honoring your momentum as a mantra, right? So like, yeah. whether you are, all those days are circled, or whether are all those days are the things that you wanted to do were are crossed out, I think the beauty of it is holding space for both. You know, holding space for the circles and holding space for the crossing out. Mm-hmm. And and that is your momentum. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing about being human is that we, or what it is to be human to me, or and what this love ethic is all about is, is holding ourselves through the moments of grief and what it is to rejoice and what it is to mourn and what it is to delight in ourselves no matter what it is is to hold ourselves through it because I think it's really easy to carve out space and hold space for ourselves when we are rejoicing right where everything is great and we're feeling um, that we are fully in our flow but it's really really hard to hold ourselves through the moments where everything is circled and where we're feeling out of touch and out of tune. And I've had a lot of those moments through this pandemic of like, what the fuck, who am I? What is going on? I feel so not in my flow. And I think that the more I abide by my love ethic or what it is to abide by the love ethic is to really be intentional about what it is to be tender to myself when all of those days are, when my things are still circled you know, mm-hmm. and I feel out of tune. And so I think like, I love that you're saying that I love, love, I so, so appreciate this conversation. Cause I think that for me in my love ethic, I've realized that who I've been in so many relationships where I've felt like I've been totally constrained to being the strong black woman. And I've been totally constrained to the ideology that I can get through anything because I am strong or it won't matter how people treat me because I am strong and I'll figure it out and I'll make it through and I'm made of metal or I'm a fucking robot or something like that. And I think that my love ethic that I'm working through or get it, trying to reach further towards is this idea of totally decolonizing myself from the strong black woman trope mm-hmm. in general. And, and cause I thought that about myself yeah. You know, like I held, I held myself to such high expectations of like, don't break, don't break, don't break, don't break. Whatever you do, yeah. don't fall apart, don't fall apart, don't fall apart. Yeah. And I totally conditioned myself to not allow myself to to fall apart or to cry or to express any form of sadness or despair or grief at mm-hmm. all. And I think that in coming out of a very long relationship where that was like the epitome of it, um, with my partner, it was just this thing of like, I didn't even realize that I was allowed to have a love ethic. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think that that was in the cards for me. Right. And I didn't see that with other women in my life, that they were allowing themselves to be messy and to be vulnerable and to, to not choke back the tears, all of that. 
And I think um, that's why I so appreciate of, I think that for me, just me personally, is it's like, it's not even about, it's more so for being intentional towards those days when I am sitting in grief and allowing myself to be tender towards it. Yeah. Instead of rough and aggressive and mm-hmm. angry at myself for feeling a genuine human feeling that is not rage mm-hmm. or or it, um, anything hard, you know, where I can yeah. just allow myself to be soft. And I think that is the love ethic for me, at least right now in this space in my life of like unconditioning myself from that. So I think it's so interesting because because we are our own medicine. We really are. We are. And we don't need to be silenced unless we choose our own silence. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless that is what we choose. I think it's the agency piece, too. is so important. I love what you said, Doriana, because, I mean, there's just so, so many beautiful nuggets that you just shared. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saying, like, I didn't even know I was allowed to have a, a love ethic. Mm-hmm. This, like, yeah, me neither. Like, I, I thought that in order to be respected, you had to be, like, super, you know, resilient all the time and very, like, professional or even on the opposite, like, just, like, aloof and dis- unbothered and, like, disassociated and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, that's a big reason why I started Saddie Baddies. Like the, even the name Saddie Baddies. Like I'm a baddie, mm-hmm. but I'm still sad sometimes. Like you yeah. know, like, I, yeah. I literally started that because I felt like, damn, like just because you look a certain way, or just because you know, like you talk a certain way, your education level, whatever, whatever titles and labels that people attach to you, and mm-hmm. you can't see beyond that. Like that is why black women go through literally like weathering that's why we go yeah. through um black maternal health like i just you know like it just the rates at which we are susceptible to um to pain to violence to death yeah. because we are expected to be strong literally doctors white doctors assume that we have a higher pain tolerance because of this pseudoscientific reasoning that yeah, mm. black people can tolerate more pain. No, mm. the fuck we can't like, yeah. let's be clear. We cannot. And whatever spaces we can create for black bodies to just remind us that it is okay to be soft. It is okay to rest. And I even have to remind myself that sometimes, sometimes when I'm like on autopilot, like, boom, got to get this content out. Boom. Got to post boom, boom, boom. Got to like, no. And like today was one of those days where I've had a long day. Like I'm actually like my body's like ready to like wind down and like shower mm-hmm. and rest, like do my nighttime routine, you know? And I'm like, Oh, maybe I can push out a topic to post tomorrow. Cause I didn't post today. And I'm like, fuck that. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I am my own boss. That's the whole reason I started yeah. this brand. If I don't yeah. feel like posting, I don't have to post. It's okay. Like nobody's clocking me. You know what I mean? Like it's really yeah. okay. And like, I honestly think hyper productivity is is a symptom of of this resilience, mm-hmm. you know, because we just we attribute it yes to like the emotional aspect of like being strong and no tears. Like if anyone knows me, I cry at minimum like once a week, once every other week. Like I, yeah. I'm such yeah. a cry baby, and I love crying. I think it's like super healthy and healing. Um, and I never like I always let myself cry. Um, but like another aspect of that is like in a way like trying to be like okay like yeah I got to keep up appearances I got to keep this up that 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 like no 
you do it this is, this is supposed to be a spirit-led platform or spirit-led space and let it be spirit-led if your body is asking yeah. you to rest and you're forcing it to push because you want to show face on a digital platform like no this yeah. is not that's not even real yeah. you know oh. like it's mm-hmm. not real so I just yeah I've been really a lot more compassionate with myself because being a, a recovering perfectionist being a recovering type a personality mm-hmm. um being a recovering re- recovering like honor roll student like that hyper productivity was instilled in me from literally the time I could read so taking the couple decades it's going to take to like break that pattern of behavior break that pattern of thinking it's going to take time but I'm really grateful like to be in the place where I'm aware of it and I can work through it and I have you and I have you know beautiful support system to help remind me to take those breaks yeah it's just an era of production. Yeah. And and now like we're entering this space of automation and we're entering the space of well, we're in this space of scrutinized uh, being scrutinized and everyone is under a microscope and everything that you produce is being evaluated and made a fucking thesis out yeah. of like so many things that we produce and expel is being analyzed by people who are quick to judge. And who are quick to digest your information and make it completely like, I don't know, something else. And that's just so unfair. Imagine like having your entire identity developed around what other people can perceive you as. Yeah, not here for it. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You, as like, even as an adolescent, like you need exploration. You need yeah. space to imagine space to be who you are intended to be exactly. outside of the gaze of society that has been yeah. colonized that has been uh imperialized you know that is rooted in capitalism like all of these things have their effects they are passed down they're inherited your identity develops from that source and when mm-hmm. everyone's eyes is on you who are you and who exactly. are you supposed to create? Who are you supposed to be in this world? Of course, you're going to end up being who you think they, they want you to be. You're going to end up producing yeah. what you think they will think. And your entire identity will be shaped and uh, formed from that perspective. And I think yeah. social media only heightens that, you know, poor babies who are growing up right now. And even us yeah. who are, you know, like are, are in our adulthood trying to navigate this, trying mm-hmm. to detach trying to formulate our own identities and like reparent ourselves because we want to have those moments where we can explore uh, who would we be without certain constraints? Who would we be without our parental gaze or our family structures Mm. and our dynamics traumas that we've, you know, had to experience and endure? Who would we be? Mm -hmm. And when we don't give ourselves space and time to do that or to come back to ourselves, uh, you cannot formulate a love ethic. Sis. Uh-huh. Sabrina, <laughs> Sabrina girl, like, this is, this entire Ooh. conversation. Sis, okay, this entire conversation. I'm telling you, I have two more questions. I wanted to do a little check in to see how everybody's feeling because I said this is a bonus episode, so we can. Let it go. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with letting it flow, and I, I, too. I love, I love every every single sentence that you shared, Sabrina, and also Doriana. I. During your Instagram live, I picked up on how you were talking about like 
having something that is just for you, like as a creative, I think is so important. And how you're sharing like collaging was kind of like your like secret underground thing. And, you know, at a point it became nice for you to share that with other people, but just that being for you and something that you did yourself and for yourself and by yourself is so beautiful. And I think that, I mean, that I took away so much from, from what you shared during your life, but that really stuck up to me because as somebody that, and we all create, we create and we have, you know, what have, whatever your follower count does not matter, but like, essentially you are creating for the masses, you are creating for the public, but creating something for yourself right. as like, that is just so, so important. important. Yeah. It's so important. I have to give a shout out to my grandmother who's no longer Earthside, but she taught me that. She was like, in this life, listen, you got to put yourself in the way of beauty and you got to have something that you love that is just for you. Okay. And I think that it's so important because she's the one who taught me. I think for me, like I learned how to love with my hands from her. Like she taught me how to love with my hands. And I think it's so remarkable that the practice that she instilled in me or the thing that she told me I must have just for myself is me working with my hands. And I think it's just so, she taught me so many different things. And even talking about what you were speaking of before of coming home to yourself, Priscilla, I think I've been thinking a lot about what it is to create a home sequence. And for us, she always used to say to have nothing in your home that does not have a use or that you do not admire, Mm -hmm. right? So some things that are not beautiful don't have anything in your home that does not perform a function or that that benefits you or that you do not think is beautiful Mm -hmm. or exquisite. And and I think that there's something so beautiful about that as well because it is this about creating our own home sequence of what it is to return to ourselves, to build a home inside our own bodies because that's really what we live with every day. And it's really the only thing that's ours Wow! in this life, in this life, Ooh. your body is the only thing that really belongs that's to you. If you want to get real with it, right. talk about capitalism, the shit we buy doesn't really belong. Yes, to you. It, okay. doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. And if you really want to get nitty gritty with it, it does not belong to you at all. The only thing we really have in this life is our body mm-hmm. that belongs to us and us solely, even when it is invaded, it is still oh, ours. Yeah. It still belongs to you. And so I think this home, this idea of creating a home sequence and what that means is creating a home sequence, a sequence that is yours, a sequence that feels sacred, a sequence that is ceremonial. Hmm. And so I think that um, or where you go to pray or your church, your body is divine. Your black body is divine. It is the universe. It belongs to you and you only. And so I think in terms of love, too, is like we have to love the home sequence, the sequence that we create, the sequence that we continue to create throughout our lifetime and even after as many lifetimes as we live is something that we have to love. Yeah. And so it's so. Wow, 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 wow. I'm just digesting that right now. (laughs) But I think it is. I'm like. Oh, we are old. Like we deserve our own home sequence. And that's not something that can ever be stripped of us or taken or put into chains or mm. anything. If y'all just, it is ours. You see my eyeballs bulging out of my head. Right <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm literally just like shaking my head like, wow. wow. 
Wow. Wow. I'm so moved. I know. Wow. Cooey. Our bodies. The only thing we can take with us. That's beautiful. It's the only thing we got. That's what love on it. Take care of it. Moisturize her. It's that nervous system. Listen. 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 She's not going nowhere, okay? Wow. Never, ever, ever. So I want to ask you these last two questions because I think they are actually like definitely build on top of what we have already been talking about in a really beautiful way. Mm -hmm. But um one thing that I love about what Bell Hooks she wrote in All About Love is she said um, that most of us did not learn when we were young that our capacity to self-loving would be shaped by the work that we do and whether that work enhances our well-being. So I wanted to ask is how does love influence your creative process and your creative intentions? Mm. It's everything. To me, it's everything because self-care does not exist without the community. You know, like self-care is community care and vice versa. And self-care, caring is an extension of love, you know. So you can kind of rephrase it like self-loving is community loving. And at least for me, as in my creative process, I have to be in a good space, you know, and by good space, I mean, I have to be at ease with myself. It doesn't mean I have to be super happy that day or like super energetic or nothing like that. It just I have to be at ease and at peace with myself in order to be able to give to my community in the form in the in the ways that I do um, with with my platform. So I feel like love is has to be the the main intention in order for any of this work to actually flourish and also just in addition to like what we were saying before about supporting black women like I I got a message yesterday from one of one of the followers of of Sadie Baddies and she messaged me she's like I'm from Brazil I just want you to know that your work is all over the world and I was like for some reason that just like I mean, that just felt like love in a message, you know, and just knowing Mm -hmm. that like distance means nothing to soul family, like distance means nothing to the people that want to be part of the community that you've created, you know, and just knowing that somebody that speaks a different language to me, like my work has been translated in German and French and I'm just like, what? Like (laughs) that, it's crazy because I'm just like, here chilling in Brooklyn you know like I have my network I have like people I see on a regular basis whatever but it's like no like your work and your your what you're doing is transcending and Mm -hmm. distance is not a factor time is not a factor like you know like those things do not matter because I know that my intention when I when I rooted and I started my platform was love I wanted people to feel less lonely I wanted people to feel like they could find resources through my platform. And I wanted people to feel like they have a community. And those three things all came into fruition. Well, yeah, I really do fully know for a fact, point blank period, that the diaspora speaks through our service absolutely. and our collective memory. I firmly, firmly <laughs> yes, know. Absolutely. 
without a mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. That is. I love that. Brazil. Brazil. Shout out to Brazil. Let me say that. In the building world. Wow. Yeah. That's so beautiful, Priscilla. Love just begets love. Thank you. More love Mm makes more love. Yeah. And have something that you can share, but you know can transcend borders and time. Yeah. You know, platform is to outlive you. It will. And that is the of something that you create, that it's legacy that is passed down the way. Like you just said, Doriana, our messages, the way that we connect with each other through our ancestral ties, you know that from this point onward, whoever is coming after you will carry that same spirit is just so profound. To know that you have rooted your creation, your intention in love, in something that can live forever, it's infinity. It's infinite. And that is just so... And I think that like we all really originate from that space, that yeah. that reservoir that I talk about, that never ending reservoir of uh, of our creation because it has love and transparency and commitment to the job, to the to the desire to create these yeah. spaces for each other. I think that is so beautiful. And I think yes. I can definitely resonate with that. I think we all can. Love, love for me influences. Uh, yeah, Priscilla said it best. Everything, you know, everything. I just, I just want to share like something that popped up in my mind. Currently, uh, I have been working on a series of poems called Bouquet Battles, and they're all messages and lessons I've learned from my dad, in which I turned into a poem. Oh, he is such a wise person. He's that's such a so wise beautiful. Person. Yeah, and I, the reason I called it bouquet battles was because he has always given me my flowers, and uh-huh. so just to simply, uh, just simply like that intention alone is rooted in so much love and companionship that I have with my dad. Um, it's something that makes my heart swell. Like my eyes are tearing up just at the thought. Our creative process is not meant to be not, it doesn't only have to stem from pain, you know, it can stem from yes, love, that yes. never ending space. It can come from that and we can create something beautiful that can transcend borders, time, distance, whatever, like it languages. It can make people feel seen, can make people feel heard, it can make people feel loved. And when you are rooted in creating something with that intention, it will perpetuate that intention. And I think that's just so fucking profound. Just the act of us creating is bringing us closer to ourselves. Just the act of us doing art, making art, creating art, sharing our art, sharing our stories, our narratives, that's bringing us closer to ourselves and revealing one thing at a time together. You know, anything that brings you closer to love is bringing you closer to yourself and bringing other people closer to themselves. What the fuck? That is so profound. It's deep. Ascension. Mm -hmm. So deep. That's some ascension right there. Mm. That is what that is. My last question, which I'm so excited about and really interested in your answers. That's why I saved it for last. 
was uh, how have you determined which bonds are worthy of restoration? This literally took a match. <laughs> from love a blaze well you know we need the duality i love it i love it we need it (sighs) i will share that when it comes to preserving bonds and i mean this to me I don't know how you are directing it in terms of like personal bonds, creative bonds, professional bonds, or just in general. Any kind, really. I would say, okay, generally speaking, you have to have a level of compassion, right, for yourself. Um, And that is also something that needs to be able to be passed down to other people. So there's, to me, there's always like a general level of compassion that I give to myself and to everyone else in my life. That means living, giving room for error, giving room for misunderstanding, giving room for mistakes. You know, I think that going back to that really beautiful question you had about having a love ethic though, to me, yeah. a bond that compromises your love ethic is not a bond worth keeping. So a bond, <laughs> any bond that <laughs> compromises your self-worth, that compromises your standard of respect, that compromises your livelihood, that compromises your safety, that compromises. I mean, I could literally go down the list of like, I I have, yeah. and I actually sidebar this is a practice that I've done like I think about two three years ago I set a level of like standards and expectations for myself like in life and as you should. <laughs> they, these are things that I find essentially non-negotiable and this goes from partnerships relationships friendships etc having something that is based around your value system is really important to me because that is going to help you make decisions easier. If you have to really like mull over something or like you are extremely indecisive about um, an event or situation that happens, a lot of times it's because our value system is not clearly defined. And when we find people that have been um, violated our value system, or violated our love ethic because we love them or because we care about them, or maybe even like in a professional setting, maybe because we want an opportunity, we compromise ourselves. And I Mm. personally do not subscribe to that because what happens is a lot of times you will end up feeling resentful for not sticking up for yourself. You'll feel resentful for that person not seeing you and not recognizing your Um, your value system or your boundaries or whatever the case is and to me anybody that causes you to love yourself less or any situation that causes you to love yourself less is something that is probably worth letting go yeah and to me it's it, it can be situational I know that you know it depends on details etc but there has to be some baseline standard of care that you give to yourself, right? Because that actually helps you to develop space and how you walk through the world. 
Hmm. For for example, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius. Y'all know this. <laughs> Y'all know I'm a fire sign. My moon, yes. rising, my moon rising is a Scorpio. So say, say what you will about that. Oh. But my, my, my son is, is a Sagittarius. Both my parents are actually, my mother is a Sagittarius and my dad is a Leo. So I have a lot of fire energy. And what, what has helped me with that fire energy, like putting, putting it to good use is like, I am very good at vocalizing my needs. And I'm also very good at vocalizing my boundaries. And I know that it didn't, it wasn't overnight. It took me a long time, but me being able to do that at this point in my life has really helped me in so many ways. And that is how I determine what bonds are worth keeping and which bonds are worth letting go. Honestly, is having a really good, healthy dialogue with yourself. Yeah. I really, really admire you and have learned so much from you in that capacity. I can Thank honestly you. say, because <laughs> I, right, I said, I, I truly am like you. And I've said this to so many other people. I think I said this to Caesar recently of like, you are a prophet oh to me in the ideology of like what it is to really be rooted and purposeful in communicating your needs and I, I really have so to much. say that because I am a water sign and that does not come You out and Miriam are both. I am, <laughs> right, Mariama is a triple water right. sign. And I, yeah. <laughs> Mariama is the she water is. sign of all yeah. water signs. And so I'm just like, sis, it is so yeah. difficult for me to be like, yo, this does right. not yeah. feel good. And to like be really confident in that and to be really clear about that I really have struggled because I am someone who genuinely not just because of my sign but just because of my origin and because of my story in general and my experiences Mm -hmm. in this life of like I take on Mm -hmm. stuff and I take it on as if it belongs to me as if it's my own as if it's my job to fix it and dictate it and determine it and right. deal with it. That's not I'm even like, yours. Yo, yo, I have to tell myself over and over again, you don't no, need to no. fix this. It's, it's not your yeah. job to fix it. And that's just like in my own life, in my romantic lives of like, it is, I my knee jerk reaction is like, what am I going to do to fix this? Yeah. Not just like, what am I going to do to sit with it and realize that maybe it's not yours yeah. to even fix and so I've I've had I really really admire you and I've learned so much from you. Thank you, baby. So much. <laughs> be- oh my God! Of course, like I really I really really appreciate you for that because you are a very clear reminder of that so I am worthy. worthy to communicate my own needs and to communicate like yeah. this is not your yeah. shit to mm-hmm. fucking carry and you are not like I think. To answer this question in my own way, I would definitely just say that I think that anything that threatens the destruction of Mm -hmm. my own boundaries is not really worthy Mm -hmm. of restoration and or anything that uses me as a vessel for their own emotional insecurity or is detrimental to Mm -hmm. my source right is that or or if it threatens my purpose like i am here my source is the universe i am the creator of it all if you are threatening my source 
that lives in our wounds, that lives in our blood, that lives in Mm -hmm. our DNA. If you are threatening that, if you are violent towards that in any capacity, because there are a multitude of different forms of violence, then it is not Mm. worthy of me. (laughs) Because it is not worthy of the very foundation of me. Which is to be of service to spirit. Which is to be of service to my sisterhood. Which is to be of service to my community. If you threaten that, if you are violent towards that, in any way, then you are not deserving of me, of the fundamental, my fundamental being. And like, I don't need to explain that if I don't feel as if you are worthy yeah. of explanation, <laughs> you know? And, and if I do feel you are worthy, then I will. But I think that there's so, there's so much about her, you, Priscilla, in terms of that for me, that has been so, uh, like you Thank are a whisper of that, of what it is to really communicate those things. And that is not, no, it's taken no years. Thing. I will that be completely no honest thing. with you. It's taken years. Yeah, it's taken. I know. It's taken a lot of, of um, tears. It's taken a lot of anger. It's taken a lot of self doubt. And just know that I'm so happy to help you and to, you know, share whatever pieces of information can be of service to you along the way as you learn to get comfortable saying no or get comfortable saying I don't like that or get comfortable saying that's inappropriate or that's none of your business um Mm -hmm. it's it feels really odd because black women aren't allowed to to do that but fuck that we can and Mm -hmm. we should yeah <laughs> right. Sabrina said it best. No. Both of you. First of all, I just want to affirm everything Doriana said. Yes, Priscilla. Okay. Yes. We all look up to you in that aspect, oh. sis. Hold it down. <laughs> Hold it down. Wow. I love y'all. Wow. I was just sitting over here like, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. This one's hard. This one is really, really hard. It's such I grew a hard up with, question. first of all, I have nine siblings, five girls, five boys, same mom, same dad, and they're still together. <laughs> and that growing up in that kind of environment, I swear, I did not have time and space to process shit. If we fought, I fought, we mm-hmm. fought, whatever. 10 minutes later, we are eating off the same plate, and that's it. We're moving on. I don't know how to process things in the way that honors what I need. I don't know how to, if, if it, if it takes five weeks, if it takes five days, if it takes five minutes, I, the time for me is just, it's non-existent. I don't know. The second I'm over it, I'm over it and I process it and I moved on. But also with that household comes, uh, this expectation. Oh my gosh. That you just have to meet me wherever I am. I, yeah. I think even I think that this is how I became an educator too. Just uh, that ability to meet people where they are came so naturally to me. Uh, if you were the happy one, I met you where you were. If you were the sad one, I made sure to hold space for you. If you were an angry one, I gave you your space. You know, so like meeting people where they are. Um, oftentimes, nobody meets you where you are or mm-hmm. where you need to. Be where what kind of space the needs today yeah so I found myself um 
literally making a physical sanctuary in one of our pantry rooms and in our in like our we had a really big house and there was like two kitchens one downstairs one upstairs and like Utah is really fucking huge and don't cost shit and so I was able to (laughs) create this little sanctuary where that was my space this is where I held space for me at such a young motherfucking age no one Mm -hmm. no child needs to have that mental capacity that emotional intelligence to say i need space so i'm going to create my own fucking space in this in this little section of the house to process some of the emotions that um i need in order for me to show up tomorrow morning and be okay you know and so having that ingrained in my existence in my quilt in my cloth as an adult I again, I find I find myself stuck into similar situations like you, Dorgana, where I everyone else's problems. I can meet you where you are. I can hold space for you. I can honor that. I can affirm you. Mm -hmm. I can make it my own. I can look at I have space on my back. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold space for you. Mm -hmm. And that forms a codependency. You know, people start to form these attachments on you that you're a fucking savior, that you could just do it all, that you can, you know, hold space and and make me feel better. And can you do this and can you do that? Whether it be financially, socially, emotionally, whatever, you know, they just know you have it down. You are very grounded. You have your head on your shoulders. You don't need no one. You know, idea. And so I could just take from you what I need and you will be fine. It wasn't until yep. oh, it wasn't until <laughs> my like now that I think this year two months ago <laughs> that I'm like okay hold on hold on holiday let me reclaim my power let me reclaim my space let me reclaim my time I don't necessarily have to do this I am fucking tired and I can say I'm fucking tired and if I need to like literally say no. But it's very interesting because I never was someone who had a hard time setting boundaries or saying no. I'm a Taurus. I'm very tenacious. I'm very fucking stubborn. No means no. But even with this foundation, even with this mentality, even with this like stubbornness about me, I still just played the role of like handle, having it all figured out so I can handle it. It wasn't until now, I swear, that I'm working on reclaiming that and saying, okay, maybe just because I have this ability to hold and show space for you, hold space for you, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's my fucking job. (laughs) So to come back to this question of um, which bonds are worthy of restoration, I think your body is a temple. You're divine. You are an ecosystem. Every ecosystem needs balance in order to provide adequate resources for you to thrive, for you to be who you are, for you to be good and healthy. Anything that knocks you off your balance, yeah, you got to let go. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot yeah. forgive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just have to really piggyback off of that because you are Mm. speaking to my life in so many ways. And I so appreciate you. And that's that, like, you are my soul's reflection of sisterhood that I I see you because I am you, sis. Sabrina, I really just have to because 
I think like what you're speaking to in my own personal life and the way that I've seen it reflected in my own personal life, my own personal life I've noticed in my romantic relationships yeah. specifically is that I have taken on yes. the role of mothering. And I'm like, and one of my lines that I wrote in my collection, Scar Tissue, was I used to love a boy with a white mama, but mm. I love that boy for her. And I just have to say, I realized that I was like, I am not these people's mamas. I am not. I am not their pillars. I am not their baskets. I am not their el modos. I am not their... I'm not their building. I'm not any of that. I'm not here to carry or to hold or to drag them through the mud. I'm not here. That's not my job. That's not my role in this relationship. And I think that I realized that. And I think that that is what, what you just said is so such a mirror of my experience of I've had to totally relinquish my identity of that in any sort of romantic or platonic relationship of like these people have their own mothers and that is their job. That is their role. I do not need to take that on as my own role. I am my own mother, but I'm not yours. And I think that that, or I've had to mother myself in my own ways. And I think we all have in different experiences or circumstances, but to relinquish that, that Mm -hmm. even desire, Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. want to fix or that want to cure or that want to protect. And that's that distinction that has to be apparent in any relationship of like, I know where they stop and I begin. And there has to be a distinction because I think when there isn't a distinction, we get we we succumb to the option or we succumb to the opportunity of losing yeah. ourselves in someone else, and that becomes oh, really is, dangerous. Yeah. That's really yeah. really dangerous yeah. territory to be in. Another entire conversation. Yeah. <laughs> another entire conversation but I just had to put that out there because I so so appreciate you for saying exactly and sharing and and holding space for that because I think it's really really important for us to know as black women Mm -hmm. that it is not our job to mother it is our job to mother our children it is not our job to mother or to be a mother in any of our relationships like we are entitled to our own selves and that is not our role that we should find ourselves in. And I think a lot it's of times not, we do, and it's not fair. And it's a burden. It's a burden on ourselves and on, and on our self-worth and on our self-love. Um, I, so I love that saying. so much. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of smiling only because, like, this reminds me of the dynamic I have with, like, my partner. Um, we literally are very independent people. And mm-hmm. so, like, after work, we've kind of had this, like, kind of this agreement that like we give each other time to decompress after work so if I call him and I'm like hey blah 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 and he's like I actually need some time to unwind and like self-care time or vice versa and like if he calls me I'm like hey babe I'll call you later I need some self-care time like that self that self like that independence is so essential because that also is like that means that we're able to emotionally regulate ourselves without each other and I think when looking for you know partnership or romantic even if you're just casually dating like look for people that have a a sign of emotional regulation because you don't want to be the one that's always doing that and vice versa 
You know what I mean? Like it's really important. And I think it's, it is very difficult. Cause like you said, as black women, we always want to like, like save, save, save and, and care and nurture. And that's, it's very innate in a lot of us. And those are not bad things. Like those are the the soft parts of us, right? We we talk about duality a lot in this in this conversation, and I think duality is is super important. However, you have to have boundaries. And I, I read a tweet that said yeah. something like, "You the givers have to have boundaries because the takers don't have." And I saw that girl. <laughs> and like that to me, it was like facts because you literally need to have you have to tell yourself when to stop. Otherwise, yeah. you're gonna keep you're gonna keep attracting yeah. people, and it may not even just be romantic partners. You just may attract human beings who see you as this this well that they can just keep digging and digging and digging into without pouring anything into it at all and that is unhealthy and it's not okay and I think they also they build the expectation of like now she's going to take care of me I'm in doubt I'm in uncertainty I am in trauma I am in pain I am in ruin so now she is going Mm -hmm. to come at my beck and call and mother me through this and I think that when we do that when we are inconsistent giving and caregiving and mothering that we neglect the opportunity or the desire our own internal desire to mother ourselves and I think too to be our own daughters you know to be at the to be able to receive nourishment from ourselves because I think this is something that I've sat on a lot of like I am my own mother Mm -hmm. but I also am my own daughter I can yeah. be both. I am allowed to exist in those roles simultaneously to myself. I am allowed to give. I am allowed to be a caregiver to myself. I am allowed to nourish myself. I'm allowed to nurture. I am allowed to be tender to myself. But I'm also allowed to receive all yeah. of those things in the daughter mm-hmm. role, right? I am allowed to be both simultaneously. That's the complexity. That's the duality of me. And when I am consistently in a mothering role to someone externally outside of myself, then I totally neglect that, that to myself. And I think it's really, really hard. Like you are not my son. It is not my job to give you these things. You need to give them to yourself, right? You need to learn how to give them to yourself. And it's not my job to even teach you how to do it. There has to be some sort of distinction because I think that it's so Mm. detrimental. It is so detrimental. And that's what I mean about decolonizing this strong black woman trope. Like this is not our job. It's our job to be that internally, sure but not on an external level where everyone yeah. comes to depend exactly. on it from me. Your own well-being. No, ma'am. Right. Right. And then you suffer. Yeah. You are the one to suffer. Yeah, because the there will be no one there to hold space for you. Mm-mm. Oof. Right. thank you for listening to this episode of who made you sis 
This podcast is brought to you by the Diaz Collections. Today's episode was entitled Thick Love and Spiritual Dialogue with Priscilla Adjaman and Sabrina Abdallah. You can find more of their work on social media at Sadie Baddies and at The City. You can also follow us on social media at The Diaz Collections. If you'd like to support us in this journey, our cash app is The Diaz Collections and our Venmo is The Diaz Collections LLC. If this episode resonated with your spirit, please leave a review and a rating and hit that subscribe button to stay updated with all things Who Made You Sis, including future bonus episodes. Happy Love Month, and I hope this chat helped you to reinforce or develop your own love ethic. Thank you for your unwavering love and light, sending you all high vibrations. <laughs>